Good evening, good to be back with you tonight. Thankful for everyone that came out. Appreciate this morning's sermon. Sometimes was one that sometimes people don't really like. Uh, nobody chewed me out or slapped me or anything. So it was a good day. I appreciate that. Uh, it's hard to preach on giving, but I think it's something that we really need to consider and to think about. I told you this morning tonight's sermon is going to be a little bit different. We're going to introduce a program that we're going to begin here. I plan to begin this the first Sunday night of of December, and as we go along, we'll talk a little bit more about it, but I want to get into why a program such as this is, is so important. Brethren, I hope that we realize that the Word of God that you hold in your lap, according to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, it's alive and powerful. It's sharper than two, any two-edged sword. It is a, a word, according to the Bible, that can pierce your soul, your spirit, your joints, your marrow, every part of you. It's a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. The Word of God is, is where God's power is for us today. Romans 1.16, the power of God, it's in the gospel. That's where the power of salvation is at. In Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, the Bible says, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his own steps. It's not within us to be able to know what to do in this world, to be able to know how to be right before Him, to, to make good decisions, to, to live a life pleasing, but it is within your Bible. According to your Bible, it is what has the power to save us. In James chapter 1, verse 21, the engrafted Word, it's able to save our souls. It's able we're to look into the perfect law of liberty and continue therein, and, and we'll be blessed in our deeds, James 1. Verse 25, the Word of God, according to John 17, verse 17, is, is what sanctifies us. It's what sets us apart. The Word of God is the truth, and the truth has the power to set us free in John 8, verse 32. And we could look at a host of other passages, but I want us to understand the thing that we're going to begin here. It's all about knowing the Word of God. And I'm going to tell you there is a grave danger in not knowing the Word of God. If you would open your Bible to Hosea chapter 4. Hosea chapter 4, and I, I want us to, to see the danger in not knowing the Word of God. I want us to see what God had to say to a people that had a lack of knowledge. You see, when we go open the book of Hosea, we find out that, that he is a prophet to the northern ten tribes, the kingdom of Israel. And we know from the book, maybe the most popular thing that we think about is God told him to take a harlot as a wife. And that harlot would leave him and commit adultery on him, and God would say, take her back again. And she would leave again, and God would say, take her back again. And he did that to show the people that even though they would commit spiritual adultery on him over and over again, he was always willing to take them back. He loved them. And he wanted them to be faithful unto him. But God has a limit on all things. God gets fed up after long enough, when the iniquity of a people gets full, and we learn that from Genesis chapter 15, then God takes action. And when you get to Hosea chapter 4, God has had enough. And He's going to warn the people what is coming. Verse 1 says, Hear the word of the Lord, ye children of Israel. For the Lord hath a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. 
That word controversy, I looked it up this afternoon. It's a word that can mean a lawsuit. God has a, a problem. God is bringing this problem, and it's as if there are two parties standing opposed to each other in a court of law. And when God is opposed to you, you don't win. You're not going to be able to make a good enough defense, and they're going to try, but it's not going to matter. God says, I've had enough. I've got a problem, and I'm bringing this to the judgment seat, and you're going to lose. What's the problem? Look at what he says. He says, because there is no truth, there is no mercy, neither is there knowledge of God in the land. I don't know about you, but that is sad. It is sad that a nation of people that had once been so godly, that had experienced so much of what God had to offer, that they had got to the point in their land where truth, mercy, and knowledge was something they, they just weren't concerned with. It, it was just a, a problem that reminds me so much of, of where we're headed today as a nation. We are growing up a people that are not concerned with truth. Truth's not a concern anymore for anybody. It really doesn't matter. Truth is objective to most people today, and it's just whatever you want it to be. We live in a nation of people that are hateful and, and, and harsh, and, and there's no mercy anymore with people, and there's definitely not a knowledge of God in the land, at least like there used to be. And we want to remedy that to the best of our ability. He says, verse 2, how does he know this? He says, because the people, they swear... And they lie. That sounds familiar. They kill and they steal. They commit adultery. They break out. And they show no restraint. And he said there's blood that touches blood. I want you to notice all of these things are, are breaking of the Ten Commandments, right? You know, they're, they're lying and they're stealing and they're, they're killing and they're doing all of these things that, that God's law explicitly said not to do. In fact, they are killing so much he says there's blood that touches blood. In other words, you have committed this murder and before that blood can even stop running, you're committing another one and the blood's just running together. Sounds like our nation, doesn't it? We murder one baby and before that's over, we already got another one with a knife in it. One upon another. No knowledge of God. Look at verse 3. He says, Therefore shall the land mourn, and everyone that dwelleth therein shall languish. With the beasts of the field and the fowls of the heaven, yea, the fishes of the sea also shall be taken away. God says, I've had enough. God says, you are going to suffer the consequences. Remember Proverbs 14, 34? Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a reproach to any people. That's where they're at right now. Righteousness is no more, and, and it is only sin. And God says, I'm going to show you what sin gets. I'm going to show you what's going to happen when you forget me and and you take the knowledge of me out of the land. Verse 4, he says, Yet, he says, Let no man strive, nor reprove another, for thy people are as they that strive with the priest. He says, Listen, you have gotten to the point it won't do any good to call each other out. It won't do any good to say, Hey, you need to stop doing that. He said, You've already went too far. He says, You're going to be like a people that, that strive and hurt a godly priest and the law talked about that. If someone did that, they were worthy of death. He says, that's where you are right now. You are guilty of going against God and you're not going to win. He says, therefore shalt thou fall in the day and the prophet also shall fall with thee in the night 
and I will destroy thy mother. He says it's gotten to the point that, that you're going to fall as a nation. The mother would be the, the uh, genealogy, if you will, of the nation and all the things that made her who she was. He says, it's all going to fall. He says, I'm going to take you out. The Assyrians are coming. I'm preparing a mighty nation and, and, and you're in trouble. Look at verse 6. That's our Scripture reading tonight. He says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Brethren, I'm afraid if this country keeps heading the way it's going, we're going to be destroyed, and it's going to be because of lack of knowledge. We have raised up a generation of people that don't have the biblical knowledge that the others did that, that maybe are older. We don't teach the same things. We don't stress the same things. We don't focus on it like we used to do. God says, because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest to me, Seeing that thou hast forgotten the law of God, I will also forget thy children. Don't think I'm going to bless the generations to come. You have completely abandoned me, and therefore I'm going to abandon you. He says, verse 7, As they were increased, so they sinned against me. The more the nation grew, the more they thought they were better, oh, the more they committed sin. He says, therefore will I change their glory into shame. They eat up the sin of my people, and they are set their heart on their iniquity. And there shall be like people, like priests, and I will punish them for their ways, and I will reward them for their doings. He says, I'm going to give them exactly what they've asked for. Brethren, I, I don't want that to be us. I found this picture, and I, I thought it was fitting. You know, if we're not putting the Word of God continually into our hearts and minds, if we're not continually stressing those things to our young people, and like I said, this is not just for young people, this is for everybody. If we're not continually putting it in, the world is. The world is shoving their garbage as much as they can possibly do into the ears of everyone. And sometimes that's all we seem to hear. And the more we hear what the world says going in, you know what it does with what God says? The more it pushes it out. And the more we forget, brethren, we've got to be better than that. You know, a long time ago, I've always been told that, that members of the church were considered walking Bibles. And if you wanted to know what the Bible said, you ask a member of the Church of Christ. They knew what the Bible says. They could quote to you what the Bible says. Anyone, any member could preach a sermon, could sit down and convert someone. And what about today? Is that still true? I want us to be honest. Is that still true? I, I certainly hope so, but I'm afraid not. You see, I've traveled a lot of places and I've taught a lot of classes and, and a lot of people and talked with just so many people and I'm afraid the knowledge of the Word of God is waning. It's not what it used to be. And sometimes I am amazed. Sometimes I am just greatly amazed at some of the things that people should know that they don't know. And I'm afraid the problem is we're not putting it into our hearts. We're not studying it on a, on a daily basis. You know, Paul told Timothy to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that, listen to this, needeth not to be ashamed, but yet rightly dividing the word of truth. Have you ever been ashamed because you didn't know what the Bible says? I have. Should knew, should have known how to answer the question, should have known how to defend the, well, the conversation that was going on, but sometimes... 
We just don't know because there's so much other things going in instead of what should be going in. So you see, that's where this program comes in. It's a program that I think Heather's dad, I don't know where he found it at, but he introduced it to me and the church at Wellette many, many years ago, and, and they still do this every year for a couple months in the wintertime. And what the whole program is centered around is repetition. Repetition. You learn things because you repeat things over and over and over again. People often ask me, how, do you, how can you quote so many scriptures? How do you remember all of those things? Well, number one, God bless me. Number two, I repeat those things over and over. Sometimes on a Monday, on a Tuesday, on a, it doesn't matter if I'm at work, wherever. In my mind, I can repeat those things over and over. And you know what happens? You remember those things. And when you need to recall those things, those things are, are there for you to be able to recall. So you see, this is all based upon a book, and I, I've got one of these books. If you want to look at it, you're welcome to. A guy by the name of Paul Savage wrote this book. And the purpose of this book was to help, the title of the book, Mothers, Here's the Help You Need. The purpose was for a mother to be able to sit down and to teach her children things of the Bible. And he's got all kind of different things, but we're only going to focus on a program that he has right in the middle of the book that's called Family Bible Hour. And here's the, the gist of the program. We're going to get young men, I don't care if you're four or five, if you can get up here and you can speak, you're going to come up here to the front if your daddy needs to come with you, whatever, grandpa, doesn't matter. If you want me to go with you, I will. But that young man is going to say what is underlined. He's going to get up and he's going to say Genesis 1-1, and then all of us together are going to say Genesis 1-1, in the beginning God created heavens and the earth and you say that's an easy verse i knew that one what about romans 12 15 rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep if you don't know it you're going to know it after a few weeks what about john eleven thirty five? 35 jesus wept everybody can get that one right everybody can get that one luke 17 32 remember lot's wife simple verses but verses that that have a a lot of teaching behind them and we're going to go and they're going to have a card, each one of those young men is, and, and they're going to get up and they're going to do that card. And we're going to recite all of these things with them. And we're going to go on to the next card. James 2, 17, even so faith that it hath not works is dead, being alone. We're going to learn Philippians 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Jonah 1, 2, arise, go to the end of that great city and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. We're going to continue on. We're going to talk about Matthew 5, 16 and that Sermon on the Mount about letting our light shine and John 4, 24 where God is a spirit and if we're going to worship Him, we worship Him in spirit and in truth. We're going to learn the heads of the 12 tribes of Israel. You know, some of you, maybe you can name those heads of the 12 tribes, but I'd venture to say most of you couldn't. But you know what? After you do this a few weeks, you can name the heads of the 12 tribes. And you say, what does that really matter? You realize your whole Old Testament, when you get to the, toward the end of the book of Genesis, the rest of it mentions those 12 tribes over and over, and it helps to know what you're talking about. It helps to know where they came from and who they are. And all of these things are things that we need to learn. What about the Ten Commandments? What if I ask you tonight to recite the Ten Commandments. You say, that doesn't matter. We don't live under the Ten Commandments. Well, all of them are repeated in the New Testament, save one. We need to know those things. These are things that, again, we will say together, and I promise you, 
If you'll hang with it, after a few weeks, you won't need to scream. You won't have to read it. You'll know it. We're going to learn the books of the Bible. You guys ever have to go to the front of your Bible and look in that index to see where the book is? Sometimes. Yeah, but you see, if we would focus on more of these things, simple things, just to know where the books of the Bible are, to know how to say them in order, and, and, and even sometimes, you know, if somebody announces a, especially one of the minor prophets, you ever set them in your head, the books of the Bible, to remember which one it comes after? That's a good thing to know. We're going to learn some verses from the book of Psalms, and, and you see, as we go through this program, we're going to change this. When I feel like you guys have got it mastered, that'll be after a few weeks, right? We'll change it up and we'll learn a few more verses. God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. Psalm 46, verse 1, that's a great verse. Psalm 51, 10, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Psalm 53, verse 1, the fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. Things that we need to know. What about this? Some of you say, what in the world is that? I'll never be able to remember that. My wife can tell you what this says tonight without looking. She remembers it from when she was growing up. This is the whole chronology of the Bible. If you go, when you go to Genesis chapter 5 and you begin to read about Adam and Seth and Enos and Cahanian and Mahalia and Jared and Enoch and, and Methuselah and Lamech and Noah, and you say, well, hold on a minute, you've got Noah on there twice. Yeah, because if you're going to go through the chronology of the Bible and you're going to try to figure out when things happen, well, there's Noah's life before the flood, and then there's everything's different after the flood, right? So is it before or after the flood? Noah lived during both. You've got Nimrod, Terah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, the 12 patriarchs. Amram and Jochebed, the parents of Moses. And then you've got Moses. But you see, Moses' life is divided up into three different categories. You've got the first 40 years of his life that he lived as a son of Pharaoh. And then you've got the second 40 years of his life as he wandered in the wilderness and he found his wife and he was a shepherd and all of those things. And then you've got the third 40 years of his life, which he was the deliverer of God's people. And we need to understand and know that those are different periods of biblical history. You've got Joshua, Judges, Ruth, Major Kings, Minor Kings, Major Prophets, Minor Prophets. We've got John the Baptist. We've got Jesus. We've got before or after the death of Jesus. And this guy's the one that came up with all of these things. I promise you that if you'll stick with this, you'll know where things are in your Bible. You'll know how it fits. I've been teaching a teenage class on Wednesday nights, and we went all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to Genesis 1-1, and I said, I want you guys to understand the Bible. I want you to understand why God has revealed these things unto you. 2,500 years of human history are in the first 50 chapters of your Bible, the book of Genesis. And I want us to understand how that all ties together. And the chronology is going to do that. Well, then we'll get to the next one, and I'm going to choose somebody. Somebody's going to be the lucky one. This is going to be a man. And he's going to come up with something in the Bible. A person, place, or thing. It really doesn't matter. And you're going to figure out where it is by using the chronology. Well, is it in the patriarchal dispensation? No, it's not in the patriarchal. Well, is it in the mosaical? Yeah, it's in the mosaical. Well, that started when? Third 40 years of Moses' life. And then we're going to go from there, and we can find out where things are in the Bible. And I promise you, it'll help you. It'll help you. Twelve apostles. Our kids, they could probably tell us the twelve apostles, but what about adults? 
Would you guys tell me tonight if your life depended on it? Maybe, maybe not. But again, very, very important people in the Bible that we need to know. What about the plan of salvation? You know, in the church, we, we preach this, we teach this, we stand beside this, but are we able tonight to tell people what those verses says? You just picked a few. Picked a few. After this program, you will be able to quote these verses. And if somebody asks you at work, you're going to know what it, what it says, where it's at. You're going to know how to defend it. You're going to pick somebody that's going to ask some uh, Bible questions for adults. I told you this program's for everybody. You're going to ask some maybe difficult questions. Get you adults to, to thinking, and it doesn't matter what the question is. It's going to get somebody to, to ask some questions for, for children. And maybe we might get these kids up front and get them involved and, and active and excited. And then hopefully I can talk somebody into singing with them. Not going to be me. Might be Jeff Gall. Not Jeff Gall either, right? You see, what we're going to do, this is the plan. On Sunday night, the first Sunday night of December, we're going to meet at 515. And we're going to do this before worship. And I hope that you will consider being a part of that. I hope tonight you have understand, uh, that you understand that the Word of God is important. I, I don't want this congregation to have a lack of biblical knowledge. I want us to be walking Bibles. I want when people in the community talk to a member of the Willow Avenue congregation, that they can say, man, those people know their book. They know what they believe. I don't want you to be, you know how many people I've talked to in the religious world and they say, I've got to go ask my pastor or I've got to go ask this. And I don't want you to be that people. And you shouldn't want to be that person. You should want to be somebody that knows. You know, go home. I encourage you to go home and read Psalm 119. The whole thing, 176 verses, it's about the Word of God. And the psalmist is praising the Word of God over and over and over again. How shall a young man cleanse his way? How does he do that? By taking heed to the Word of God. Thy word have I hid in my heart, he says, that I might not sin against me. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my pathway. He tells us that God's Word, His commandments, that's what righteousness is. We don't know how to be righteous. It's found in His Word. I want you to know that the Word of God is your most important possession on the face of this earth. And I want us to learn to treat it as such. So Lord willing, we'll begin that. I promised I would not speak too long tonight. I went way over this morning. So I'll make up for it tonight. Tonight, if you're not a New Testament Christian, the invitation is open for you. You can walk down the aisle tonight and you can believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. You can repent of your sins, confess His name, and be immersed in baptism, reenacting that death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus tonight. Most people are Christians tonight. The invitation is still open for you. Maybe as a Christian tonight, maybe you are ashamed of your knowledge of the Word of God. Maybe you've neglected the book. Maybe you've just not been the Christian that you need to be. The invitation is open for whatever you might need. Why don't you come while together we stand and sing?